to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, the Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys. Just a little bit embarrassed about having a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. It's a very special episode today because we are doing a Measure of a Man episode. Yes. Uh, I, I meant to text you before we started recording. I I don't think I've unpacked the box that has my my challenge coins in it. I have a couple of greatest gen challenge coins to my name, but I don't know. I don't have one close at hand. Well, aren't you lucky that I have a desk set up replete (laughs) with challenge coins? Wow. I've always thought of you as being very replete, Adam. I usually have a flat front desk, Mm -hmm. but lately I've been going with a desk replete with (laughs) challenge coins. Oh boy. It's a little bit more complicated to iron a desk yeah. like that. Uh, <laughs> is it worth it? I'll take my desk to a dry cleaner in, in cases like these. Mm. Uh, ben, I have, I have so many coins on my desk. Don't tell any strangers <laughs> about, the, about the riches I have on my desk. I'm going to uh, grab the Friendly Fire Challenge coin <gasps> to flip. Oh, boy. Wow. I didn't get one of those. Oh, you better, Ben, because once they're gone, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. That's a podcast that used to exist but doesn't anymore. Yeah, and I feel like this coin is perfect to create an argument t- between you and me <laughs> about whether or not something we're about to do is a good idea. So I, uh, I would push back on that li- lightly, in that the end of Friendly Fire was not an argument between the two of us. We knew what we had to do. Oh, yeah. We were in complete agreement. And then it was done to us without, yeah. our, without our consent. Super fun memories, Ben. Uh, I'm just going to think of the good times. Yeah. All right, Ben, we've got, uh, we've got heads as the B-17 bomber. And for tails, we have the catchphrase coined by you to the victor go the spoiler alerts. I think that you should just say one side of the coin is pro and one side is con. You're going to flip it and it's going to assign my position. We'll do it like that. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Which one? So is is the bomber is pro? Bomber is pro. Okay. Screen is con. <laughs> that was a uh, properly formatted coin flip. I'm going to uh, I'm going to take my hand from the top of my other hand. Oh, the people watching the live stream are going crazy right now. They want to see what the result is. You ready? <laughs> this, uh, oh, it's heads. <laughs> so I am pro the cloud. Of course you are. And you are anti. Yeah. Old man yells at the cloud. <laughs> oh boy. I see you just popped a uh, bottle. That looks like an agave spirit. That you opened up. Sure is, Ben. Uh, Something awful has happened in our household, and that is uh, we're out of tequila. Oh, boy. That's devastating. So it's it's mezcal for me, (laughs) for the foreseeable, until I order more tequila. You and your wife have been drinking quite a few margs lately, I feel like. Yeah, really taking those to the dome lately, as you do. What mezcal are you taking to the dome in in place of tequila today? Uh, I've got a bottle of Tazba Dobala. Wow. Uh, I think this is a bottle that I got with you or from you, as uh, as most of my mezcals are. 
It doesn't look familiar, but uh, but I'll, I I believe you. Are you going to have a drink for this one? Yeah, I've got a glass of uh, hard cider here. You wanted an agave spirit. Well, there it sits. <laughs> Let's get into it, Adam. It's season one, episode five. Great episode. The Cloud. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. This is the worst episode of Star Trek Voyager I've ever seen. I've only seen five of them. This is yeah. by far the worst. Uh, well, it's it's a real high watermark in my opinion. Um, Captain Janeway opens with a personal log where she finally starts to come to grips with how her actions may have affected others in the workplace. <laughs> it's taken five episodes, but we're finally here. Yeah. Uh, it seems like she and the rest of the crew are kind of reaching the acceptance phase of the Kubler-Ross model of being stranded in the Delta Quadrant. I mean, she's the boss walking around a workplace, and she's feeling a little hurt at what an outsider she is as the boss. Heavy lies the crown, and this is her grappling with an issue that I feel like was very much present for Picard and maybe less so Cisco, which is that that feeling of like if you are the commander of a ship you have to be willing to send people to their deaths you have a a huge amount of responsibility and there's a kind of advantage in maintaining a little distance in being larger than life and i really love the the like humility of a captain's log that that features the editing process we hear her delete a line i've never trusted klingons and i never will we should have the warp drive up and running by 0900 hours. Computer, delete last sentence. This is a feedlot owner not wanting to name their cows. <laughs> She's looking all around at these pre-dead people. <laughs> That's all she sees when she looks around. I know. Dead blonde, dead blonde, dead redhead dead brunette before she goes and edits her own log her conclusion goes something like it may be time for her to change her ways for the benefit of the crew yeah she might have to become cool this is something that even her crew are aware of she walks into the mess hall and uh she and uh tom paris and kim stand around like dunking on neelix's cooking for a couple of minutes before she kind of uh takes her leave and harry kim is like oh we should have asked her to sit with us and tom paris is like you fucking teacher's pet what are you talking about that's the captain you don't ask the captain to sit down in the lunchroom are they sitting side saddle they're doing a side sit they're doing a side sit aren't they yeah you're making too much about a side sit i don't know if i'm the captain and i come into the mess hall and i see two employees side sitting i don't know if that's a party i want to break up <laughs> I don't want to sit third in a side sit situation. Well, it's uh, very intimate. Third in a side sit is awkward because often the, the side sitter has pulled their chair around to the side of the table. You know, it's usually a two top right. that a side sit takes place at. So you're going to have to try and find another available chair, like look around the, the dining room, say like, are you expecting someone or can I take this? There's a very fun composition here when Janeway walks off to the breakfast buffet in the background and you get like a, a a three shot here of like Kim and Paris and then in the deep deep background there's a Captain Janeway working the make your own waffle iron back there <laughs> pouring the batter doing the business I love the idea that Neelix is terrible at cooking and 
that he's making everybody a little bit sick. Do you think that the crew has been forcibly made vegetarian slash vegan because of their need to conserve energy resources and they're just using hydroponic shit to eat? It kind of seems that way, right? I mean... They would have to. They haven't, like, stopped at a planet and, like, killed a bunch of animals, have they? No. But remember when... If you eat a shit apple, are you not vegan anymore? (laughs) That is technically a byproduct of of a living creature, right? Are shit apples kosher? If the hosts of Star Trek and the Jews are listening, have Adam on. He has questions. <laughs> Mealtime is always interesting now that Neelix is in the kitchen. <laughs> They're having to conserve replicator resources with the making of food, but those replicators are working overdrive to reproduce emodiums, which <laughs> are just shooting out of the replicators at Starfleets before they clock in for their shifts. Yeah, it's like it's like hitting the jackpot on a slot machine. <laughs> Janeway is, is poking around for a cup of coffee here in the in the mess hall and uh, is having no luck finding any because they are out. My culture finds that to be a reprehensible and entirely unacceptable act. And uh, she floats the idea to Neelix of using one of her replicator rations to make herself a cup of coffee and he firmly shuts her down. That would not be appropriate, Captain. I don't have the freedom to kill you. I love the the tone of this in the context of the captain's log we just heard, where she's like thinking about trying to like be a little bit more down to earth and relatable with her crew. And then the second Neelix is uh, a little bit out of line in terms of uh, ship hierarchy. She's used to getting her groceries from insert name of premium grocery store here. She's she's not about to go down to Ralph's or whatever. Right. For her produce. Yeah. This coffee that Neelix pours her is straight out of a Peltzer brand coffee maker. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty gross stuff. Yeah. If you like your coffee thick, go to Neelix's. Um, It's it's kind of a canar level of thickness, right? It is. It looked like it It may be the same, like, stunt material that they make canar out of. What's the thickest coffee you've ever had? Um, I've had, like, Turkish coffee in, uh... Yeah, that's the best. In, like, a Mediterranean restaurant where it's, like, it's almost like you're drinking, like, grounds that are suspended in water. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. Yeah. Ethiopian coffee is a a lot like that. The high you get off of a Turkish coffee... I'm still chasing that dragon. <laughs> God, that, that shit fucking slaps. Yeah. Ethiopian coffee is very similar to that and uh, and, and delicious. Speaking of drinking, yeah. Ben, is Ensign Kim drinking his breakfast beverage from a metal julep cup like he's at the fucking Kentucky Derby? <laughs> what is he doing? I don't know. Those those glasses definitely caught my eye. They They, they do look like something that came from like the Pasadena flea market not the not the uh, space restaurant supply company I love the idea that Ensign Kim might just have a favorite cup and that's what it is he prefers to drink out of his julep cup at all times do he and Tom not have the same type of cup I didn't notice I didn't notice that Paris was drinking out of the same vessel this seemed mm. like a very Kim specific thing but well, I don't know. This is just the kind of minutiae that The Greatest Generation is all about. Yeah. Star Trek Cup cast has officially yeah. begun. <laughs> this is a fun out from this scene because 
uh, Chakotay radios Janeway, and before he even says anything about the reason for his message, Janeway's <laughs> getting the fuck out. Yeah, <laughs> saved by the bell. Uh, she she dodges the bullet of the disgusting beverage that Neelix is trying to pour her, and uh, heads up to the bridge where she is informed that they've pa- they're passing a nebula. Nebula has a lot of Omicron particles, and those could be used to supplement their failing energy systems and uh, and therefore increase the amount of replicator use that they can uh, afford to do. So uh, she's really excited about this very famous line here. There's coffee in that nebula. I love the potential here. You can turn Omicrons into, uh, into coffee grounds or beans or whatever you use to make coffee. <laughs> I, I'm still not sure how how a person makes coffee. <laughs> this far into the pandemic, and you're still not sure. Breakfast is done at this point because Kim and Paris have arrived for their shift, and uh, it's real Soto Voce like. Janeway asks Chicote how the crew is. How they doing? They all right? <laughs> I'm kind of hearing some whispers when I when I walk into and out of places. This conversation goes on for a really long time. It's incredible how long this moment is. And uh, knowing what we know about the construction of the Chakotay character, there's probably a sincerity that one watches this episode with without having that prior knowledge that's like, wow, that's cool. Like, this is a type of person being represented. I don't know whether or not this is true or bullshit, but I'm willing to go along with it. We talk to animals. I think that that's why it's considered to be kind of harmful is that most viewers are probably not going to verify the the information that they're receiving here. This is the scene that makes me certain that this is a terrible episode, and it's why I'm I'm totally blown away that you think it's so good. How dare you, Ben? I, th- I think, uh, you know, this is a product of its time, and um, I, I, I think that art like this is important to revisit because it's something we can learn from. Like, not only is the stuff th- that they put <laughs> Fuck into... you! <laughs> ...to go taste mouth here, um, you know... I can't out-virtue signal a virtue signaler. <laughs> it's just not possible. You, you fucking judoed me into the ground. <laughs> But I do think that there is an element of condescension in the way that Janeway asks the questions also that kind of squicked me out. Really? I didn't get the condescension. What I definitely got was like Chakotay can't tell Janeway what his TM mantra is because that's something he paid thousands of dollars for. It's a Native American tradition. (laughs) It seems like that kind of vibe. Like I could tell you what your animal guide is, but you know, you kind of have to pay me a sum of money or (laughs) or replicator rations to find that out. There's a three-day course that I teach and uh, it's 500 bucks. Right. Um, and then at the very end, he offers to help her. And this yeah. is like, I think this is me creeping into my opinion of the episode. Like, I baseline distrust anyone who is so f- quick to teach me a thing about a thing. <laughs> like, I, I feel like Janeway's getting conned here. The thing I kept wondering, I'm like, I, watching this episode really felt complicated about the amount of this C storyline there is, but... I also just watched this scene and was like, if you were Paris or anybody else on the bridge and the captain and the commander were just whispering to each other for this oh, long. Fuck, I would hate that so much. Wouldn't you just be going crazy? It's happening behind Paris, too, which is like the worst. Like, 
I already low key. If I hear anyone laugh in my presence, and like I think they're laughing at me in That's a bad the automatic way. assumption. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and they are laughing like they are having like a like a very like joyful banter the way they're talking to each other. Boy, we really got rid of the distrust between the Maquis and the Starfleets kind of suddenly, didn't we? I mean, I think that it's probably there in the lower ranks for sure. But but Chakotay and the captain love each other. This feels downright flirtatious to, to coast off of your description there, Ben. Like. Uh, I feel like Chakotay is making the case for the sea cucumber. <laughs> you know, sea cucumbers are very omnivorous sexually. It has great pocket time. <laughs> Not that your spirit animal defines who you are as a person. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Harry Kim, uh, as they're flying into this nebula, gets dragged so hard by Tuvok. He, he's like, wow, what a cool nebula. I've never seen one like this before. And Tuvok goes on on radio. Like, he, like, side chats him on I Slack so almost much. and says, like, hey, Harry, uh, try and keep a lid on being in awe of space and its beauty because it's going to freak out the, the junior officers. And my question to you is, Adam, who are the junior officers? Harry Kim is an ensign. Are there people of lower rank than that who are considered officers? He's the juniorest officer there is. <laughs> I mean, this episode is trash. The coin has told me so. But this scene is hilarious to me. I love, this is like site-to-site transport yeah. in some ways. Like like the, the idea of using your communicator in the same scene is super fun. I love the way they do it with the audio too. Like, like yeah. it's not really commented on so much as just you can see what is happening based on the fact that they use a wide shot where Tuvok is deep in the background talking to Kim at a at a tone of voice that they he would have to use if they were like standing right next to each other. David Livingston directs this episode as he's directed. 50 episodes of Star Trek and this is such we're in good hands we're in great hands with him it's such great blocking there's also the appearance of a split diopter in the scene which is like (laughs) fucking greatest gen catnip (laughs) I love it (laughs) so they scan this nebula it's like yeah this is an unremarkable nebula but it does have these Omicron particles in it when you get your nebula examined you you want it to come back unremarkable. What you don't want is what is it? What is the ABC of of nebula? Like you don't want asymmetry, right? You don't want blackish hue. <laughs> you don't want convex, right? That's, <laughs> do not take medical advice from your Star Trek <laughs> podcast. Is that something to do with like moles or something? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to to recall, but I don't have any of that recall. Yeah, as a person that's got some moles and. And a dad who's had a few removed because they turned cancerous. I, uh, I should probably know that stuff. All right. The ABCDEs of moles are these, Ben. Are you ready? <laughs> Asymmetrical shape, border, color, diameter, and evolving. So if you notice any of these changes, you need to schedule an appointment with your medical provider. Yeah. I mean, I, I love this episode just for giving us that moment, Adam. I think The Greatest Generation is known for a couple of things. One, being a terrible Star Trek podcast replete with dick and fart jokes. <laughs> the other is that we are known for giving viable medical advice. Yeah, yeah. You can you can count on us. We, 
I would say that listening to the greatest generation is better than having a one-on-one consultation with a dermatologist. That's right. And if you're looking at the live feed right now, it's exactly the same. (laughs) You can see that we have our shirts off and we are showing you our moles close up in the cameras. All of my moles are asymmetrical. Nothing our shields can't handle. They penetrate an energy barrier and, uh, and they just don't understand what they see on the other side. And Tuvok tells the captain he has no idea what they're looking at. And uh, I love that Kim flips Tuvok's shit right back at him. This episode establishes a quality to Star Trek that has been there the whole time, hiding in plain sight, which is, I don't know what that thing is. Let's go inside. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get inside that mystery. Let's get all up in it. Let's put our entire self inside it. (laughs) And you don't realize it right now, like how destructive that that way of being is in Star Trek. You don't get it until later. But that's their first instinct. Let's get in there. It's a real bulldog in a bathtub. So they go in, and the the dust in there is getting pretty thick. (laughs) It gets thick enough to resist their penetration, Ben. And I'm telling you, if your penetration has been thwarted by the thickness... I think you need to withdraw and consider maybe adding a lubricant of some kind. Yeah, or, or you know, or this pe- penetration being treated as like the all-important element of their space exploration is <laughs> kind of a misnomer. I think that you can have a perfectly fun space exploration without penetration. There's a moment here where like they're starting, they're starting to penetrate to the extent that there are bangers being dropped on them that's slowing the depth of their penetration. <laughs> and they cut to Paris here. Paris' station has a bench seat, doesn't it? Like from a classic car? Yeah. Because he's, he's on one end of the station and he slides over and his slide is like three feet long. Yeah, I think, he, I think his, his seat must be on like a swivel or something, but I, I love the way he's the camera He's not swiveling, works. Ben. He's sliding. He's scooting? Yes. Oh, nice. You can hear the vinyl squeak when he moves <laughs> over. It makes a fart noise and he says, no, that's the seat. That wasn't me. That was the seat. You know, on the hot days on the bridge, you'd want to put a towel down at Paris's station uh, just so your thighs don't. If you're in a scant and you sit down at Paris's station, your thighs will stick right to that vinyl. It's yeah. no good. They push through this energy barrier and, and uh, we got down to the the mess hall where Neelix is starting to express some real buyer's remorse about throwing in with these people, which... I thought was so great. Like, I think that Neelix being afraid of being inside a nebula is a very funny character detail, but also the idea that, like, he would rethink his decision to go with over and over again was so realistic. Like, of course, every week this ship is in new danger. This is their uh, fifth episode and their second death-defying nebula experience. (laughs) Neelix is making the case against Star Trek here. He would rather the show be about nothing. Yeah, right. That's a a case uh, that our buddy Manu Sadia makes that like in a utopian future, like it would be kind of a, you you have to be kind of a misfit to be in Starfleet because your life would be so easy. Like you could literally do whatever you want to be like the kind of person that wants to go get sucked into wormholes all, all the time and like live in constant danger. Manu has a lot of opinions that I don't agree with. <laughs> 
but it is like it is kind of like an anti-social choice that these people have made and and Neelix is is kind of more of a normal I think that's super true like how much greater is the distance the Voyager crew has traveled to end up here you know psychologically than the decision to join Starfleet at all Right. This is a possible outcome of joining Starfleet that everybody has to be conscious of when they do it. Anytime a Q snaps his fingers, uh, you could be (laughs) flung across space in a second and you're never getting home. Yeah. And space is is rotten with Qs. Kess kisses Neelix at the end of this scene, which may be the first instance of a public display of affection between them. Why does she do that? She's she's trying to suck her lung back out of him, probably. <laughs> let's let's put our lungs together. <laughs> let's let's make a working respiratory system. Yeah. I think this is a scene meant to tell us the viewer that they're an item. Yeah. I it's interesting that it hasn't been spoken quite explicitly. I mean, like, Neelix was jealous of Kess in the in the previous episode, but I don't think that they came aboard as, like, husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend in, in you know, like, I don't think that we necessarily understood, like, what the terms of that relationship are, or if, you know, those, the terms of their relationship, like, would comport with something we understand, right? I mean, having shared a respiratory system, uh, they're now closer than friends. <laughs> closer than family (laughs) and Kess will let one of her lungs go yeah that is now your chair I'm just ruining my own show here (laughs) you're gonna be the one editing this and resenting every moment of it I feel like Neelix with his choice of chef's hat is like (laughs) telling everyone how little he wants to be there and how little he should be taken seriously as a food service professional. When I make a quesadilla, I use two different types of cheeses. I mean, it's hard to take him this seriously because when we left the bridge, we are like trapped in this weird nebula that is not what we expected it to be. And when we cut back to the bridge, it's still like red alert, trying to escape from this nightmare scenario that we did not imagine we would find ourselves in. And... uh the level of threat to the ship just it is so hard to like imagine writing a script where you get a plausible moment down on a, a lower deck where two people are just like yeah what do you think like maybe we made a mistake coming with these guys i really love the visual language of this scene and how it telegraphs what happens later because like at the time it's like oh these are like lava lamp globules outside the window isn't that yeah. interesting how they're kind of flying toward the ship but this is like inner space shit this is what blood cells look like yeah when you're up close like it's it's visually telling us everything we need to know that we find out later they came in here looking for energy and now they realize they're going to have to burn energy to get out and that the energy that they came here for is not as available and abundant as they had hoped and right. That not only are they burning energy, but they also have to burn a photon, which they have, I think he says they have 38 photons and no way to rearm if they run out. That statistic blew my mind. 38. 38, that's it. That means everyone else who dies (laughs) is just getting ground up into a slurry and then released (laughs) out the back, right? Do you think in season seven, they're like, 
bearing down on a starship they've been chasing at some point and Janeway gets on the view screen and is like, now in all this excitement, I kind of lost track. Have I shot 37 photon torpedoes <laughs> or 38? So I guess I have to ask you one question. Do you feel lucky? Well, do ya, punk? I love that there's like a low-level engineer on the ship tasked with turning Neelix's sterno into <laughs> into into torpedo weaponry. <laughs> like it's a real MacGruber situation. He's like trying to make explosives out of household materials. <laughs> So uh, they shoot one of these 38 torpedoes at the wall of this thing there inside and then chase it through. Yeah. And uh, the plan works. They make it out. And uh, and at the end of the scene, Captain Janeway orders the shit scraped off the ship for Bellano Torres to study. <laughs> if anyone could just go out there with a nice scraper and, uh, and put some samples into some jars, that'd be great. Yeah. I'd like to know what it was that humbled every defense system on this ship. I mean, that was kind of an amazing idea right there, right? Like, that this was an ebula that left goo all over the ship. You know, I got real, like, Tin Man vibes from this app. Tin Man. And this was one of the moments where cutting to the exterior would have been really nice. All we see is inside out. We don't see outside in when it comes to these globules. Do you know whether they're shooting models or doing renderings on this show? The thing with renderings happened on Deep Space Nine in the very last seasons in like 97, 98, right? And this being 95, like, I think yeah. we're still using models. It might have been too hard to like make an entire new Voyager model that's got goo all over it. Yeah. Ben, would you like a sea story? Are you hungry <laughs> for a sea story? See, I had this as the B story and the, and the uh, Native American vision quest stuff as the as the sea oh no i'm pushing the chakotay story deeper underwater until the bubbles stop (laughs) the b story can breathe the b story occurs uh between paris and kim it occurs at kim because he's woken up by paris yeah pretty creepy that paris is able to get into kim's room something that kim comments on which uh, I guess is something that has been fixed with Starfleet ships since the Enterprise D rolled off the assembly line. It feels like a Sloan watches you jack off kind of situation here when Paris <laughs> enters Kim's quarters. I mean, if Kim jacks off with a with an eye mask on, that's uh, that's pretty remarkable. You're an eye maskman. You ever I wear am. the mask when you jack it? I don't think I would feel secure or comfortable doing that. That's how you edge into that dangerous territory. Like mm-hmm. where, where it's the danger that's the titillation, huh? Well, you've famously never masturbated wearing headphones. No. And yeah, that was a technology that you hipped me to. <laughs> and now, now you have to. <laughs> yeah. Here in this pandemic world. <laughs> you were prepared for the pandemic masturbatorially. <laughs> I, I think that masturbating with headphones and an eye mask is basically the most dangerous thing I can possibly imagine. <laughs> That's the most dangerous game. Forget hunting human beings. <laughs> they need to remake that movie with iced tea. Mm. Today, he's not in the mood. I would be pissed if my friend came over and I was already asleep in bed and was like, hey, come out and drink with me in a bar. Here's the thing about this scene. Like, 
we're given so much runway that assumes a Paris and Kim friendship here that we're very easy to forgive the B and E that that Paris <laughs> did in order to get into Kim's quarters. But I think Kim could credibly be very upset by this, and he's just not. Yeah, he's just gentle. He's a, he's an easygoing guy. I mean, I've I've uh, I feel like something that we have both learned recently is that sometimes the uh, the person that steps over the line repeatedly steps over the line before you realize that that is something that you're going to have to do something about. Right. Kim may be the frog in the bo- in the slowly boiling water. Right? right. He doesn't even know it yet. He could be the frog in the slowly boiling mother's womb. <laughs> as it were, because he's dropping some science on Tom Paris about like how he sleeps with an eye mask because it reminds him of the womb. Is that why you wear an eye mask, Ben? Does it Mm -hmm. help you jack off? (laughs) (laughs) You can't can't get up over the top unless you think about being in your mother's womb, you uh, sick fuck. I have to hold the thought. You sick fuck, Larry. I have to th- hold the thought of my being in my mother's womb and a guy from Section 31 sitting at the yeah. foot of my bed watching me simultaneously. Here's a piece of greatest gen merch. We need to make a <laughs> we need to make ceiling cat, but instead of ceiling cat, it's Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> We've got an online store. There's nothing stopping us. Nothing stopping us at all. Let's do it. We'll make it a sticker. A, a, a sticker that is designed to permanently adhere to the ceiling of your bedroom. That's right. That way, your future <laughs> masturbatory sessions will be replete with voyeurism. Today we're stripping off layers of old wallpaper, and we've discovered something kind of interesting. <laughs> this sticker was sold uh, over 40 years ago to fans of a terrible Star Trek podcast. <laughs> God, I hope this old is still on PBS 40 years from now. I know. Oh, God. I'm Robo Kevin (laughs) O'Connor. And I'm Cyborg Charm Silva. (laughs) (laughs) It's really the classic artificial intelligence lament. (laughs) (laughs) Who is this for? It's for us. <laughs> Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. So anyways, Tom Paris has programmed up himself a bar that he used to hang out in in Marseille, France. I think it's Chez Sandrine. It's a, uh, it's a right. pool bar. It kind of felt more like an English pub than a French bar to me the, in Jesus, terms of that like... Is, that is so Benjamin R. Harrison as an observation. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, like, the design Actually, of the set. Actually, the color of the pool table felt is is more English bar to me. But, I mean, they'd be playing snooker if it was England, right? Like, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a pool this the, table. This is a sort of place that shoots their cider across the room. <laughs> I'm into it. I mean, I, I, I am drinking a French cider today. Paris invites Kim into his hollow jack shack with a degree of comfort that I never could. Because, like, as soon as they enter, Sandrine, the, uh, the, the proprietor of Sandrine's, comes right up to him. Ricky, like, wait till you hear the story of Ricky, comes up to Paris. <laughs> like, there are women just throwing panties at Tom Paris, and Kim just has to watch. It is an extremely horny environment. Uh, uh, there's no 
there is no way that uh, this is not a sex program. No, not at all. And Kim, right away, like from jump, not entirely comfortable here. Try to get in the mood, huh? Sorry. To the extent that he does not want to drink a beverage that would intoxicate him, I think he knows because this is like some sort of sex trap thing. (laughs) He orders a tea, but very Christ-like, Tom Paris turns his his tea into wine in kind of a version of (laughs) Jesus magic. So do hollow wines not, like, is it turn into nothing when it hits your lip? Because... The pro- the problem at the beginning of this episode is they can't replicate coffee because it's too energetically intensive, but you can run the hologram. This is one of the main reasons this episode sucks is because if you're trying to conserve energy, what are you doing making billiard balls and, and <laughs> hollow wine in the holodeck for, Tom Paris? However, he does say it can't get you drunk. Because it's a hologram, so it must just it, it must just be that like to make like physical matter that is that has permanence is a totally different thing than making a hologram. Do you think there are people with eating disorders who go into the holodeck and eat hollow food and then leave after feeling the satisfaction of of that kind of consumption? I wonder. Yeah, that's got to be a Star Trek thing, right? Yeah, because because I was wondering like what it would do to your mind if you kept taking a sip of a glass and then didn't get any of the like refreshment or other qualities of having the drink flow into your belly. Like, would would it like would it cause like so much cognitive dissonance that you would hate it? If you ate a whole bowl of linguine and clams, and then you got up to leave the holodeck, would your breath not smell as soon as you left? We've seen snowballs fly out of the holodeck and get people wet, but we've also seen hollow characters walk out of the holodeck and disappear. There are still a number of continuity questions yet to answer here, and this yeah. episode does not answer them. <laughs> It doesn't need to answer them, Adam. It's an early season episode. They've got seven seasons to worry about things like this. So Bellana Torres has taken the scrapings from the exterior of the ship and put them into a kind of spinner machine from the movie Outbreak. And she does not like what she sees in this little test tube. She has to take it over to Six Bay to get condescended to by the doctor. Yeah, the EMH is... Uh you know, if his bedside manner is bad, his uh, his like demeanor when conferring with a colleague is even worse. And uh, yeah. he really stares down his nose at, at Bolana Torres, who has figured out some things, but not other things about this sample. I need a second opinion on this. Who gave you the first opinion? I gave it to myself. And I feel like this scene also kind of leaves us in the dark, right? Like there's a lot of techno babble that is unresolved mm-hmm. until later. Yeah, it's a real tease. I like that about it. Meanwhile, Chakotay meets with Janeway with his medicine bundle, which yeah. looks a little too much like a uh, a bifurcated mogwai <laughs> in his hands. It looks uh, like the corpse of, of Gizmo. Reminded me, we're calling this the F storyline. Yeah, this is deep, deep, deep. You can You can click forward 30 a couple of times on this scene, I think. Yeah, the scene went on way longer than I expected, and I think way longer than Janeway expected, too, right? <laughs> like, she's sitting there, like, working, and he's like, hey, uh, so we're going to go on a fishing quest now. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, come over here. I love that Chakotay is like, we used to do psychedelics, but now we use crystals. <laughs> they have, like, a like an ayahuasca device. Yeah. Place your hand on it and concentrate on the stone. I wonder about that. Like, so, so you're going to have the captain have a dissociative 
hallucinative hallucinatory experience like while you're kind of in a crisis i guess it's not really a crisis because they've escaped the nebula they should have carried forward this tension of Maquis versus Starfleet up to this point, because if this scene is imbued with any kind of, uh, you know, Chakotay wanted to be captain of the ship, how neat of a subtext would that be here? Yeah, He's drugging she, his captain. She is, like, intellectually compromised for a moment and, yeah. and is building trust with her in a way that could feel, like, menacing or something. Right. It's unfortunate that this episode chooses against tension in that way. This is a scene a lot like the scene before on the bridge, which is like, is it interesting in any way, in the way that it's intending to be? I wonder how many more of these scenes we're going to get in the series ahead that unintentionally are going to crater otherwise good episodes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. How do we even talk about moments like this? Like, maybe the way to get around it is just to, like, treat him as a... He is to a human culture what a like a made-up alien species is you know like yeah i don't want to feel like we're letting them off the hook either and that's the tension can we treat chakotay as an alien while still calling attention to the fucked upness of his character construction i just don't know how we do that and we're gonna we're gonna get this episode after episode i feel like yeah it's gonna be tough but um i think the the fact that it is tough is not our fault you know what? I'm pretty fucking tired of that theme in my life. <laughs> TBH. <laughs> yeah, this has been a, a year of that. So Chakotay's like, look, I can't tell you what your animal guide is. Uh, I can't tell you what my animal guide is. I don't want you to tell me what your animal guide is. <laughs> your animal guide, I shouldn't understand. Your animal guide, I couldn't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Your animal guide, I wouldn't understand. <laughs> Your animal guide is a loner, a rebel. So after touching the stone, Captain Janeway is transported to a scene lit with nothing but CTO gels <laughs> where she's on a beach and she encounters a little gecko on the rock. She doesn't say there's a gecko there, but, uh, but that's the first animal she sees, and that's the rule. Yeah. When you touch the rock and you go to a place... First animal is your animal guide. It's so fucking obnoxious that it tries to sell her car insurance, too. God, it's just inescapable. <laughs> I, I didn't expect a brand integration in this episode. You can't even enjoy uh, a hang in your backyard anymore without a fucking plane <laughs> flying over. <laughs> it's like, I, I would get your car insurance, but I'm pretty sure that 90% of my money would be going toward you advertising it at me more. You know what? The line must be drawn here. Ben. I'll yeah. never do a greatest gen ad for Geico insurance. Wow. Not going to happen. I mean, they're not offering us <laughs> ads, but we're also not taking them. Yeah. Yeah. Forget that. Come in. This experience is interrupted by Torres ringing the doorbell. Yeah. And uh, Chakotay covers up his stash like it's his fucking works. <laughs> he says that he's never showed it to anybody. But Torres knows what this is because she's been on the same quest. Yeah. She she tried to kind of uh, mimic the experience of the Klingons killing their gods by killing her own animal guide. I think this would have been a much better episode if Janeway wasn't doing this and Torres was. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I want to uh, see that. that. Yeah, don't tell us about the more exciting storyline we didn't get. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not good storytelling. 
So anyways, this nebula is not a nebula, it turns out. It's actually an animal. And they, when they punctured through that energy barrier, they were actually basically goring it. And it is now bleeding Omicron blood out into space. It's a nebula man. <laughs> it is. And so they, they have uh, a big McLaughlin group Issue one. on the bridge, actually, where yeah. basically all hands on deck, including the doctor who's on FaceTime, and they're talking about the idea of kind of stitching up this hole that they made in the nebula. And they feel kind of honor bound to do that. They didn't intend to injure this space creature. And now they've got to do space surgery. I always love these compositions in TNG when you were like back behind the horseshoe at the science station or the engineering station and shooting back yeah. toward the bridge to give it that depth. Yeah. Bridge looks fucking enormous here. It does. The doctor on the screen in the background, it's super fun. It seems like it's a smaller set than TNG, but it's they shoot it on a wide-ass lens, so the doctor is like very far back in the in the frame. And uh, there's at one point where he's like not getting paid attention to, and he's like waving his hands over his head. Very funny. Any ideas how we could stimulate regeneration? Lieutenant Torres has the answer. So there's been a degree of chafing inside Nebula Man that, that requires... <laughs> The re-entry of the ship, and uh, this plan is presented and approved almost immediately. We're going back in to fix what we broke. Yeah, some Starfleet-ass shit. So they start heading back in, and this is precisely what Neelix had hoped to avoid. And he, like, storms up to the bridge to give the captain a piece of his mind on this. It's always been amazing how on Starfleet ships, anyone could just enter the bridge. It's not like when you go to like a fancy high-rise apartment or whatever, you can't just hit PH on the elevator and get there. (laughs) You need a a key. There's a key next to that button. (laughs) Right. But anyone like from Wesley Crusher all the way up to Neelix can enter the bridge of a Federation starship unchallenged. Can we see the battle bridge? No, I'm afraid not. Yeah. Janeway really captains the hell out of him in a way that I found very satisfying. Yeah. He he shouldn't be there. He shouldn't have been able to just walk into the ready room unannounced and start piping off at her the way he does. But the the way she is like she is shutting him down in the process of like being distracted by the real work she's actually paying attention to is great. Janeway's like, if you don't like Star Trek, don't watch Star Trek. <laughs> We can't just drop you off outside of Star Trek every time we have a Star Trek. Yeah, this is this is Star Trek. If uh, if you don't like it, uh, perhaps you would prefer Babylon Five or Sequest DSV. But uh... those are your only choices. <laughs> so they go back in, Ben. Yeah, and uh, things are working this time until the Wharf Lightning starts zapping them. Like that initial moment of "Hey, this feels pretty good." devolves into this is extremely painful and bad yeah the kind of like defense mechanisms of this creature the the white blood cells of the nebula attack the ship the kind of pain that merits a long bath almost immediately (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they get they get knocked out they realize that anything they do thruster or impulse engine wise is really causing this thing to react badly against them and they're now both further into the nebula, but also further away from the hole that they're trying to repair. And so they come up with this idea that there's there's these flows of Omicron particles running through the creature that uh, seem to be like 
circulatory system analogous and they can maybe uh they can maybe kind of like float back to the point that they're trying to get to on one of these eddy currents nebula man has kind of a lazy river inside him <laughs> yeah. that, the, that the ship could just coast on chakotay is nice. pumping up an inner tube for for them it sounds very enjoyable yeah you get a six pack of Freshable beers floating in the Omicron particles next to you. You know, uh, you know, the MGM Grand in Vegas has a lazy river as part of its pool. No way. It's fucking great, man. Wow. I miss Vegas so much. But like, that's that's one aspect to it is like a lazy river that takes 40 minutes to circumnavigate. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Next time we're in Star Trek Las Vegas, we should do like a Friends of DeSoto lazy river hang. I cannot wait to blow up the spot at Star Trek Las Vegas, which is definitely not happening this year, even though they say it is. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you be very surprised? I don't know what to think, man. I, I feel like I, I want to like have hope for the future, but I also don't want to have that hope dashed. I don't want to, I don't have undue hope. I'm reading that uh, Star Trek Las Vegas is set for August 11th through the 15th of this year. That seems, if I were betting. Yeah. And you are a betting man. That, that feels like the line of when people are probably going to start traveling again, August. But like, I mean, like Vegas has been open this entire time too. So they may just be like, fuck it. We're doing it. That is a trip I'm not going to decide on until August 1st. I'll say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to pre-book that. And I don't know if you're a convention, how you can like imagine being a convention company, putting this out on the, on the map and going like, are you counting ticket sales right now? How could you possibly who knows i'm just hoping to have a haircut by then i've gone a year without a haircut this is one year wow what you're looking at damn are you are you looking forward to it or are you are you committed to the to the longer hair look now it's a great question i've never had hair this long yeah maybe maybe i just get it cut professionally so that i have good looking long hair instead of this (laughs) (laughs) i think it looks pretty good long What's killing me right now is that it's just not long enough to ponytail. It's just not. Whenever I try, the dangly is just falling into my eyes, so I just can't do anything with it. Yeah. It's too long to be short and too short to be long. Well, I've got to get that platinum, get that robe enlargement. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace. And I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. 
But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Uh, well, let's get back to this episode, one of the greatest episodes of Star Trek Voyager ever it's not good. aired. I'll tell um, you what, our, our episode of Greatest Generation is a thousand times better than this episode of Star Trek Voyager. Hard disagree. There's never been an episode of The Greatest Generation that was anywhere near as good. That's as... not part of the coin flip, Ben. You, you don't, <laughs> you're not obligated to say that. <laughs> I'm not obligated. I don't get paid to say that. It's just what I believe. There's an interesting moment here where after they get zapped with the lightning that Ensign Kim calls out the damage in the form of a damage report and Chakotay kicks him right in the balls about this. We seem to be in one piece. I believe the optical data network is down, Ensign. I'll get right on it. Like he botches the, the description of the damage. Yeah. And then it is never referred to again. What is that about? It was like it was just a subtle moment. Like I think that we know that Ensign Kim is kind of new to this, and he is. I mean, he's a he's a senior officer. We've established in this episode, but he's also green, 
And I thought that that was just like a little character moment of remember that this guy doesn't have a million reps the way some of these other characters do. This is a moment that should have invited another Soto Voce with Chakotay and Janeway where, where Chakotay's like, would you get a fucking load of this guy? <laughs> you tell me we don't have 10 fucking Maquis on the lower decks that could do his fucking job? This is also a part of the episode, the kind of moment between Act 2 and Act 3, where Neelix comes onto the bridge with some past appetizers. <laughs> I like this scene a lot in an episode that I hate. I like the scene a lot, too, because it's one of the many things that typifies what a good episode it is, Adam. Love a plated appetizer. Love the circulation of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he and Kes got, uh, got trays and brought them up here. They, it looks like good stuff. The captain even uh, even tastes something, right? Sometimes it's nice to have a snack during red alert. Yeah, you I know like you want to you want to get the get the energy up. You don't want your hypoglycemia kicking in in a crisis situation. The doc comes up with a plan. We've got to use civil war medicine to fix Nebula Man, which involves sawing off part of the nebula <laughs> and then and then burning the wound in order yeah. to heal it. Yeah. So so they try initially by just like shooting these beams that they've come up with at the at the rims of the of the hole and that the hole is repairing itself but slowly. You're going to want to use an analgesic cream, I think. And what they have to do is put the ship like right in between the the two sides of the wound and like use the conductive properties of the power system to draw the omicron particles toward each other. And so that's what they do. It's a bit of a dicey maneuver. Timing is everything. But uh, but they manage to suture this thing up and then get out of there just in time to avoid being chomped by the healing wound. This is not a good effect scene. The The placement of the Voyager in the hole. And I don't think enough is made of the danger of 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 the ship being in the hole and closing the wound around itself. Are you kidding? That like that's that's all they're calling out. Like that that the that the rim of the thing is approaching at five hundred kilometers a second, and they the the hull wasn't designed to take this. I thought that was great. My criticism is is about it being shot in profile. I think as an effect scene, like it's it's in profile and it's a wide shot. Yeah. Show me the proximity of the threat. Show me proximity to the threat. We're too far away from Nebula Man. They do kind of get out of there before it, it feels dangerous. I will, I will grant you that point. Thank but, you. Uh, but, they, but they do Thank get you. out. And it's kind of, I like there's still like kind of a lot of episode left when they, when they get out. I, I, was, I was surprised at this. I, Not I for us. I looked at like the... You know, we were like at the 40 minute mark or something. And that was that was surprising to me because I was like, like, what else is there to do? Oh, you remember that that French slash English pool hall storyline, Ben? Yeah. We got to go back there. And that uh, it's not just Harry and Tom this time. Uh, the captain comes. Chakotay's there. Balana's there. Like the, the crew is is hanging out together in this hollow bar. The captain gets hit on by a half-French, half-alien guy that wants to fuck her in a boat. His felucha on the wharf. (laughs) She's a real good sport about this. Like, (laughs) Tell you what, a wharf had a felucha also. He'd fuck you with that. God. This is the classic thing that happens 
when too many of your work friends get word of your hobbies. They start <laughs> showing up at your mm -hmm. places. They get to know you a little better than they should. It's dangerous and 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 they never cut to Paris here. You never see Paris embarrassment, which is what this scene should be constructed around. I love that he's not embarrassed by this. Like he's like this is what I like this is where I come to masturbate. Come on, everybody, come jack off with me. It's fun. Commander Chicote, your stick? It's a sexual permissiveness that is uh that is incongruent with Star Trek in general. <laughs> I like that they're rewriting the rules here though. Like like the captain is not humiliated by this hollow character making a pass at her like he has every bit the horny character that the female hollow characters are and she likes it she's like that was cool that was charming there's coffee in that french penis <laughs> and she uh she sits down at the card table with all of them and says i should have done this a long time ago and they're like what do you mean like five episodes ago yeah and that's the series finale of star trek voyager <laughs> it's incredible I mean, it might as well have been that abrupt, Ben, because Janeway turns into a real pool hall sandbagger, yeah. no looking balls into the side pocket. The most difficult pocket to sink, the side, clearly. Yeah. The log to credits here felt really strange to me. Yeah, very tacked on, uh, like, hey, remember that very regrettable sea storyline? Well, uh, we're going to remind you of it. That's the taste we're going to leave in your mouth. Ah. Uh yeah, it's just a little diversion, Captain. I think cutting from a scene to the exterior mid-log and then ending it almost without punctuation, why not just end the show in the pool hall and then cut to exterior without the voiceover? I, think I just don't good, see what its purpose was. I think that's a good edit by you, but uh, I'm not even going to let that moment mess up my enjoyment of what is otherwise a nearly perfect episode of star trek hey star trek voyager <laughs> you fucked up and i got notes you know i'm really easy to get along with most of the time but i don't like bullying i don't like friends and i don't like you well adam i think uh, everybody knows that i loved this episode and you hated it so yeah what do you say we move right into priority one messages that's just a co-host helping out his editor right there good choice by you priority one message from starfleet coming in on secured channel need a supplemental income supplemental income supplemental supplemental yeah it's extra but the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship Ben, our first priority one message is of a personal nature. It's from Heath, and it's to Adam and Ben. And the message goes like this. You two chase Monday blues straight to where Kevin sent the hoosnock. Thank you. <laughs> I've been viewing former episodes and ran across an impression I'm simply desperate to hear again. Adam, would you make me the happiest man in the world and do me the honor of dusting off your Mark Twain? Oh, no. <laughs> Doesn't have to be now. Surprise us. And more importantly, Ben. Well, Heath? <laughs> no. This, this he is an impression. Now. He said not now. That I'm very happy to provide. Oh, God. Though I may not have an entire episode to do such an impression, I am very happy to provide you with one here. Akuchimoya, though I am far from comedy, <laughs> may comedy return to me. Heath... I'm happy 
to give you the impression you desired so much and and bought and paid for. I'm nothing if not a jukebox for your pleasure. <laughs> Adam, we have another priority one message here is from Jacob, and it is also to Adam and Ben. Goes like this. I meant to do this a while ago when I powered through the backlog, but got distracted by the friendly fire backlog. And since I already gave Roderick money, I figured I'd float a bit more your way. Keep up the great work. P.S. I got some wild looks wearing that warrior shirt. How about that? That's a... Money flowing our way. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for supporting the show, Jacob. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Jacob. I'm guessing you sent this before the end of Friendly Fire, and uh, that does seem like a a awkwardness that will haunt us for a little bit uh, of time here, but, but we really appreciate the support. Yeah, thanks, Jacob. If you want to get in on this support of The Greatest Generation, take it on over to MaximumFun.org slash join. The word join being the operative word. You get to join join with other friends of DeSoto in supporting the ongoing production of The Greatest Generation and The Greatest Discovery, two of the best Star Trek podcasts out there. Indeed. Hey, Adam. What's up, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda. Easiest Shimoda I've ever found. Wow. When Neelix and Kess show up with the hors d'oeuvres on the bridge, (laughs) the first officer to take a food sample off the plate is my Shimoda. It's (laughs) fucking great. It's a couple of officers in those those back stations doing the the anonymous work of a back station. Those must be the junior officers. They turn right around and they get some snacks. Get those snacks. I love that they get the snacks before receiving approval from the commanding officer for that... You get my drunk Shimoda. I love it. Um, my drunk Shimoda is Tuvok for his double standard that uh, gets uh, flipped back in his face by Harry Kim. Yeah. Apparently you're not allowed to say that something is amazing to you unless you're saying it in a dour Tuvok-y way. And uh, I, loved, yeah, I loved that. That's uh, bullshit. I, I loved especially uh, Garrett Wong's performance when he saw Tuvok doing that and was like, oh, I got I to gotta get right back at him. It was great. Yeah. Tuvok's my drunk Shimoda. I mean, that's the most fun type of comeback is, is using their bullshit against them. It rules. It feels so fucking good. <laughs> Objection noted. We'll do this without you. Do it. Do it. Well, Adam, you know what else feels good is uh, going over to the game of buttholes the will of the caretaker and playing our board game do you want to uh head there now while i tell you about the next episode of star trek voyager i can do that please do because the next episode is season one episode six eye of the needle the discovery of a wormhole in deep space raises the crew's hopes of finding a shortcut home this is a version of Star Trek that is just about pressing your ship into something. <laughs> just pushing it right in. <laughs> Seeing what happens. There are so many holes in the D-Quad, and, and, and we're going to go in every single one of them. It's incredible. I'm enjoying getting back to going on Starship Adventures, Ben. Yeah. Uh, just as I am excited to see where our runabout ends up, we are pretty high up on the game of buttholes. The will of the caretaker. Square 87 is where we are at the moment, thanks to you hitting a Janeway square on the board. Uh, A few squares ahead is the Traveler. 
square and a couple of squares ahead of that uh is a neelix's galley episode where we where we drink a talaxian champagne so the traveler uh, moves us five spaces forward too so that's a like we could we could hit two jumps in two episodes you're required to learn as you play roll danger abounds ben and uh we're gonna see what my roll does about that yeah ben i have rolled a three which has hit the traveler episode and (laughs) catapulted us five spaces forward off of that so we're now on square 95 Wow. Which is a roll of a five away from a Mornhammered episode. God damn. Which would be really starting Voyager off with a bang. Yeah, that is shocking. We've hit stuff like almost every single roll on Voyager so far. I like that there's so much danger in the Voyager version of The Greatest Generation. It's good. Yeah, the game is good. Well, Adam, um, I'm looking forward to that episode, and I am also looking forward to hanging out online with all the friends of DeSoto this week. Of course, uh, people use the hashtag GreatestGen on Twitter. They've joined uh, Miriam Facebook groups. There's a Discord now, DrunkShimoda.com. Yeah, it's a real website, Jerry. (laughs) There's a, a Reddit sub, which is really active and fun. And uh, you know one of the one of the rare non-toxic parts of Reddit. Uh, it's just uh, there's just tons of fun stuff to get into online if you want to pal around with other friends of DeSoto. The music that you're hearing was made by Dark Materia, but the rest of the music that you hear on the Greatest Generation is made by the great Adam Ragusia, who, with every series of Star Trek, has created custom theme and interstitial music for us. Uh, he's just one of the greats. He does that while at the same time uh, making a chicken parmesan or a, <laughs> or a delicious fried chicken or a, a chicken milanese. And it's not just chicken. <laughs> I promise there's more than just chicken recipes on his YouTube channel. It's really great. Uh, head on over there and subscribe to it. Yeah. Until there's anything good on the Greatest Gen YouTube. Subscribe to the Goose's YouTube channel. I mean, subscribe to our YouTube channel for sure. Uh, and subscribe also to uh, our... Subscribe also to our social media accounts. We've got ones on Instagram and Twitter run by the card daddy Bill Tilly, who puts up the hilarious comedy trading cards he makes about every episode of the show on those accounts, but also, you know, makes all kinds of fun posts throughout the week. And... Uh, they are very enjoyable follows. You will enjoy them, I promise. Yeah, this isn't some bullshit that's going to send you emails every day about <laughs> the posts. It's not going to spam you with a bunch of shit. Yeah. It's great. You're not going to regret following the Greatest Gen family of social media accounts. No regrets. But uh, all that being said, we are going to leave you here and we'll come back next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager. And an episode of the Greatest Generation Voyager that is uh, very tempted by yet another hole. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. 
audience supported.